Again, we are glad to see you here this morning. Thank you so much for coming. If you are here for the first time, if you would, please fill out one of the visitor's cards. We'd appreciate that very much. And if you have any special prayer requests, if you would list that on the visitor's cards, we will honor those this coming week. One of our deacons, Steve Evans, is going to come lead us in our opening prayer. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, and we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to come and worship in your house. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with us during this time of worship. Hide our hearts behind the cross, and hide Herbert behind the cross, so that the words that he would speak would come straight from you to us. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with each one of us as we go through the day, go through the coming week. Keep us close to you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And uh, hold on, Steve, in just a minute, I'm going to congratulate somebody else, but uh, perhaps you don't know this, but Steve has, uh, as of uh, last week, a couple of weeks, July the 1st, Steve is the principal at the South Elementary School in Caswell County uh, out on Highway 86. So uh, as we remember this year... As we remember the uh, when the school starts back, and of course the administrators are already there, such as Steve and all, but the teachers in preparation to go back, please begin praying now for our teachers and all. Thank you, Steve. Congratulations to you here. We appreciate that. And, um, you know, the birthday list on your calendars, I hope that you do go by that and wish people happy birthday. We don't put the anniversaries down because uh, some people are happy and some people aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making a joke, y'all. All right, don't take everything so serious. But two people that I know are very, very happy are Ronnie and Mandy Garrett. And their 50th wedding anniversary is this coming Saturday. And Mandy, you didn't know this because he kind of got me off to the side. But Ronnie said, would you please announce that it is our anniversary? He said, I can't stand up and say anything. But would you announce that it's our anniversary? And then when I came by and you said that it was our your anniversary. But he told me that he got the best part of the deal in the marriage, okay? that's Now, those are his exact words. But uh, And anybody else who's having a wedding anniversary, congratulations uh, to you. Uh, thank you again for coming. This is vacation season. We know that we've got folks away, so please remember those in prayer that God would bring them back safe. Uh, please uh, notice in your bulletin the activities of the week. Tonight we're going to meet at the home of Barry and Judy Clayton. That is 104 North Morgan Street. And we're going to meet back in the gazebo behind their house. If you've been there before, you know that this is a, just a, a, a neat place to uh, have uh, a devotional service and spend some time in fellowship. Um, if you do plan on coming, you can't park on Morgan Street. Please, if you would, the house next door to Judy and Barry on the corner of Morgan and Chubb Lake is also their property, and you can park in those driveways there. Or I don't know the name of the company on Morgan's on Chubb Lake Street, but uh, where they sell the uh, the petroleum products, you can park in that parking lot. And if you get towed, it will be your responsibility. Um, but I, no, in all honesty, don't don't think that you will. Okay. Um, also notice the exercise classes, the door-to-door handouts for the sports clinic. They're going to do that on the, uh, on Monday and Thursday night. And there's information about that sports clinic. Uh, please pray for that. That is August 9th, 10th, and 11th. 
Uh, also, on Wednesday night is our Baptist Men and Women's Night, and they're going to meet in the Fellowship Hall to paint rocks. Now, if you're not familiar with the painting rocks, uh, this is one way of witnessing, but those rocks will be going to Jacksonville, North Carolina, when the group goes on their mission trip August 24th through the 27th, and the rocks will be used down there. Um, uh, those rocks do, uh, I don't know if you pick one up around the church or, or wherever, uh, suddenly one appeared on my desk a couple of weeks ago, and it had inscribed on it, Jesus loves bald-headed men. And so I was very grateful for that reminder. Uh, and uh, But in all seriousness, it is a way to witness. Uh, the Relay for Life Supper will be here at the church Friday night, but that is by invitation only. Okay, that begins at 6 o'clock. Just remind you guys of the ones that are coming. Uh, also, uh, the flowers today are in memory of Ernest Clayton, uh, placed there by Betty Jean and also by the family. And Betty Jean was uh, telling me that Ernest died eight years ago. I didn't realize it had been that long, Betty Jean, but I'm sure for you it has been uh, a long time. But we... We cherish the memories of Ernest and um, just pray God's blessings upon you and your family. Um, please notice that we have the two prayer lists in the bulletin. And one is our monthly one where we have folks that we know that are in long-term care or long-term needs or in the military or in ministry or missions, fields. Uh, and I hope that you will use this also. Help us keep this updated, especially the military list and any others. Uh, please just help us. That would be a great thing to, to keep this accurate and, uh, and current. But there are a lot of folks that we need to remember today that are on our weekly prayer list. Please continue to remember Joe Lee and the Bryan Center in Salisbury, uh, Larry Honeycutt and the Hillcrest Rehab. We have Barbara Clayton, that is Raymond Clayton's wife. She was in Duke Regional overnight um, during the week, but she has come home. Uh, Garland Shorty Clayton um, had to have surgery on Friday. He broke his hip. Please remember him. He is at Person Memorial. Uh, others at home, uh, Nancy Alkins, uh, Coy Bowes. Coy was back in Roxborough Hospital this past week. Helen and Weldon Bowes at home, Franklin Briggs. Uh, Donnie Clayton is here, but please continue to remember him. Uh, Elma Clayton, Mary Alice Clayton, Ricky Dixon. Uh, hospice has been called in for Ricky, so please remember he and Denise and their sons. Uh, Peggy Duncan, Renee Gentry, Pam Lee, uh, Clifton's wife who had surgery this past week, Kel Kelby Oakley, uh, Rocky Stewart, Matthew Thornburg, Brenda Stegall, uh, Gina Sullivan and her son Gabriel that was born on the 21st there at home. Sonia Vaughn, uh, who will be taking chemotherapy again, not this coming week, but in the weeks ahead. Uh, Donald Wilburn, Pam Wren, Donald Wilson, Joyce Wren, Barbara Winstead, and Texie Wren. And please, we've been asked to add these names uh, to the list. Um, Memphis Wolford had surgery this past week. He is at home uh, Philippe Fortin, um, he was in Duke again, I understand, but I believe he is back at home. Billy Brooks was in Duke, but he is back at Roxburgh Nursing Center. Uh, G.H. Clayton at home, Paige Seat 
is one of Robert Carver's friends who lives in Virginia. Please remember him. Uh, Please remember the group that went down to Camp Dixie, children and parents. They'll be returning today, so please ask that God would give them safe journey. And please continue to remember the pastor search committee as well as the nominating committee also. So join with me now as we lift others up to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful that we can have moments of, of prayer within the service. And God, help it that it will never just be a routine or habit or something that we do because we are the church and this is just what we do at church. But Lord, help us to do this because of the example of your son and the instruction in the word of God that teaches us to bear the burdens of others. God, thank you for the many times that others have lifted up in prayer us up in prayer and thank you father that we can lift up today the folks in hospitals and at home and and god places that we don't even know that we've never been to but people that have needs that we can lift up to you god we we pray for safe journey today as the parents and children come home from camp dixie that you would be with them We pray, Father, for the pastor search committee and for the nominating committee that you would guide and direct everything that they do. And, God, we pray for the monthly prayer list for the many that are in nursing centers and assisted living facilities and in the military and in ministry and that reside uh, outside our community and county and even outside of our state. God, we just lift all these, these things up to you. And, Father, for the needs of each person seated in this room for the burdens that we carry with us in our hearts and minds even in this moment father we lift these things up to you and father i would pray because only you know the needs of everyone in this room i would pray father that you would meet the needs of folks here god all of us struggle with some issue or issues God, we would pray that you would bless our marriages and our homes and our families and our children and our parents and grandparents, God. Lord, just thank you for your faithfulness to us all. God, please bless this church. And please use it always, Father, to lift high the name of Jesus and to share the good news of his gospel with the entire world. God, please bless this service, not only this service, but Sunday school and the 11 o'clock hour. And God, everything that we do today and throughout the coming week, Father, again, may it give you the honor and glory. And as we pray together, we remember the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our verse of the month comes from 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 14. Let's say this verse together, and we're reading it out of the Living Bible. Dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen and for him to come, try hard to live without sinning 
and be at peace with everyone so that he will be pleased with you when he returns. At this time, I'm going to ask our younger children to come down to the front.
God is planned for you that you grow in a lot of different ways, not only in height and weight, but that you grow in your heart and in your mind. And one of the places that you're going to grow in your mind is where? Is at school. And we hope also at church that you're growing in knowledge about Jesus and everything. But look, I'm going to be praying for you, and I know that your moms and dads and grandparents are praying for you too, but as you begin school, but everything's going to go real, real good. And I hope you'll keep that excitement, okay? And uh, I guess Sydney's going to be tough on you because your sister, your big sister's going to be going to school, and you'll still be small, well, won't you? So y'all are going to be, and so let's pray for them that they'll not, that won't bother them, okay? That they'll be separated. We got a ring. Are you engaged? It's a ladybug ring. That thing's going to, Nana gave it to you. Before I, uh, we start the next hymn, I want to read, because I know so often you're using the screen instead of the hymn book, but the scripture that goes with this um, hymn is from Psalm 73:28, and it says, But as for me, it is good to be near God. So if everyone would stand and join us as we sing Near to the Heart of God, and we'll sing all three verses.
Fran Clayton will be doing our special music in just a moment um, as we take up the offerings and the tithes. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to the Lord's church. Tommy, would you lead us, please? Amen. Six. Y'all thought I was doing a really good job, didn't it?
Thank you, friend. Are you going to be able to get that up, Sarah, the scripture, you think? If, if not, um, let me get you to turn in your Bibles to um, 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to be reading some passages of scripture. But if you would turn to 2 Thessalonians, um, one of the more important passages of scripture, what I'm going to be talking about this morning will come out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Okay, let's pray together. Father, in the calmness of a Sunday morning, we come to the house of God to hear a word from you. Father, we thank you that you speak in many ways through the fellowship that we have with each other and the greeting of brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you that you speak through the hymns. We thank you that you speak, God, through the special music And now, Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll speak through your word. Heavenly Father, we need this time with you. We need to hear your word. We need to let your Holy Spirit guide our thinkings and thoughts, Lord, about the purpose and plan you have not only for our life but for the church and, God, for our witness to others. And, God, as 
as it as it appears that time is closing out on this planet and the existence of life as we know it now, as we look toward the return of your son, God, help us to heed the word of God and the instructions within it. And Father, remind us that even your son himself said that there's coming a day in which you would send him back. God, I thank you for what we've already learned about the end of time, and I pray that even today as we conclude the study about the tribulation, that, God, you would speak through your word and through your spirit in our hearts and minds. Assure us once again, Father, that things are under your control and that because we are your children, we are safe, and you've prepared a place for us in heaven But, Father, challenge us to see the importance of our lives lived each day to show others the way to Christ. Father, please, in these moments, speak about the mysteries of the end of time to us. And again, assure us that things are going to be okay because you are in control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is a seventh message on what happens on earth after Christians are taken to heaven. And we've been studying the tribulation, a seven-year period of time in which the judgments of God begin to fall on the people that are left behind, the ones that have refused the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I remind you again, it's not easy as a pastor to stand up here and talk about judgment because I don't want anybody to think that my concept of God is that he can't wait to bully everybody and destroy everybody. It is not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And that they would know an eternity that includes being in the presence of God forever and ever. But because God is a holy and righteous God, God has to judge sin that has been not been judged at the cross of Jesus Christ. And during this seven-year period that is called the tribulation, there will be a time of great judgment upon the earth. And we've studied that, especially as it begins in chapter 6 of the book of Revelation. Let me remind you again, chapter 6 through 19 center on this seven-year period. And these judgments will be great. You remember in Matthew twenty four twenty one, Jesus said, For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. This is a time that you and I cannot imagine how terrible it's going to be. But because we have trusted Christ as our Savior, we have already been taken out of the world before this time begins in what we have called the rapture. I'm not trying to go back and preach those sermons. But I want to build up to this point of where we pick up today because we're going to conclude the study of the tribulation. I hope that you've been reading these chapters. And folks, have you noticed something about the tribulation, about Revelation 6 through 19? John is talking about things in heaven and he's talking about things on the earth and it's switching back and forth. And it's very beautiful, isn't it? It's very beautiful in the fact that God opens the the curtains of heaven and let John see inside, but also sees the devastating effect of sin upon this world. And folks, not only will there be great times of judgment, but during this time, the Antichrist 
will rise. We got started on that, and I think we've talked about the Antichrist for a couple of Sundays, but I want to I finish up this morning on that. And again, we're just scratching the surface, folks. But Daniel prophesied that a future world dictator would come promising peace and would for a short period of time control the governments of the world. And the Antichrist of Revelation seemingly is this person that Daniel foretold of. This Antichrist would seemingly solve the problems of the world and be received as a liberator. But his duty as the Antichrist is to magnify Satan and to lead the earth to worship Satan. And that's what Satan has always desired, that mankind would worship him instead of Almighty God. Satan's always been a liar. And one of the things that as you read these verses in chapters 6 through 19 is that Satan sets up his own unholy trinity. We touched on this, but I want to remind you of this once again before we really get to conclude these messages on the tribulation. And the word of God throughout the word of God in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the holy trinity of God is revealed. He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But in the book of Revelation, the unholy trinity of Satan is also revealed. Satan, who is also called the dragon in in Revelation, the beast, who is the antichrist and the false prophet, are Satan's lies about him being in control. And you see... During this time of tribulation, he is going to be revealed. Now, the word antichrist is not used in the book of Revelation. I want to read again to you where the word antichrist is used, and it's in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 to 26. And let me just read these verses for you again. John says, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that antichrist is coming, so now many antichrists have come. And, folks, there's never going to be a period... On this planet until Jesus comes back that there are not going to be people that are in opposition to Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so John is seeing that even in his day as the early church is striving to preach the gospel and tell about the good news of Christ, there are those that are in opposition to it. But at the end of time, there will be one whom Satan will raise as a part of his unholy trinity who will try and destroy the work of God upon this earth. Let me pick back up at verse verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might be plain that they all are not of us. But we have been anointed by the Holy Spirit, and you all know, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and know that that no lie is of the truth. Now listen to this, and this is the reason I wanted to read this again. I think this is a scriptural definition of the Antichrist. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. 
And remember again, Jesus in his ministry said that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. Listen to verse 23. No one who denies the son has the father. He he who confesses the son has the father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the son and in the father. And that is what he has promised, eternal life. I write this to you about those who would deceive you. So, folks, during this time of tribulation, when the Antichrist rises, there will be a time of great deceit. And, and listen to these verses in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And I want to read verse 3 and 4 and stop there. I'm going to read the rest in just a minute, okay? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is talking about the return of the Lord. And he says this, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. Now, he's already talked about the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, but he's talking about the return of Jesus Christ to rule the earth. And he says here that that day will not come until the rebellion comes first. And a man of lawlessness is revealed the son of perdition. Now, let me stop there for just a few minutes, okay? And, folks, I'm not trying to be confusing in any way. But, folks, during the tribulation, the Antichrist will be manifested and revealed. Now, many had already begun to come preaching another gospel, standing against Jesus as the Savior of the world. But during that tribulation time, the Antichrist will come forward. And in the book of Revelation... Here's the terms that are used to describe the Antichrist. In Revelations 13, he is described as the beast coming out of the sea. In Revelation 17, the scarlet or red beast. In Revelation 17, 19, and 20, he is described as the beast. And if you've been reading these chapters, when the expression the beast is used, it is, it is referring to the Antichrist. But here in 2 Thessalonians that I just read... Paul uses these terms to describe the Antichrist. He is the man of lawlessness. And the King James describes it as the man of sin, I believe. He is also described in the King James and Revised Standard as the son of perdition. And the the New International Version translates it the man who is doomed to destruction. Folks, The Antichrist has already been defeated at the cross. Satan has been defeated at the cross. But folks, in the book of Revelation, during that that seven-year period when man does not want to turn to God, it's going to be ripe for Satan to come in and, and, and raise up the Antichrist who will turn the people to worship Satan. And folks, unlike the rapture that happens suddenly and like the thief in the night, the coming of the Antichrist will have signs that he is coming. And let me read these signs. And it looks like Paul is saying here, in in combining the words of Jesus, that there's at least three signs or three events that must happen in the world before the Antichrist appears on the earth. And listen to what he says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3. First, the man of lawlessness is revealed and the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself 
against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. And he's going to demand that people worship him and in turn worship Satan. Folks, that has not happened yet. But when the Antichrist, before the Antichrist comes, there will be a great rebellion. And folks, listen to this. In verse 7, let me just still read verse 5 and following. Do you remember that when I was still with you, I told you this? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. You see, there are behind the scenes activity of evil powers throughout the world today. Would you not agree with that? That Satan is trying to work in our world to destroy everything and anything that is of God. And Paul here is saying that, that this must happen. There will be not only a rebellion in verse 3. The rebellion means that there's going to be a time of apostasy. And the, the Greek word for rebellion is apostasia, which means a departure, a falling away, an abandonment. And folks, in the last days, many within the professing church will depart from biblical truths, morally, spiritually, and doctrinally, which means that the church will depart from the teachings of Christ and the word of God. And it means that there will be people that will be preaching false gospels which do not demand that people repent of sin and separate from immorality and turn to Christ and give loyalty to him. And folks, isn't that happening? I mean, you can almost get to heaven in any way you want anymore on our planet, can't you? I mean, there'll be someone that'll tell you that there's always a way other than the cross. And, and I know that for many in today's world, they think that preaching the cross and preaching the blood of Jesus and preaching about hell and heaven is old-fashioned. And that's something from another generation. Folks, it is not. It is the truth from the word of God. And there'll be a time of departing from all of these things. And back in Matthew 24, verse 12, and if you'll go to that that slide, I'm getting ahead, Sarah, but if you'll go to that one, Matthew 24, verse 12. Jesus said about this time, because wickedness is multiplied, most men's love will grow cold. There will be a time when not only the world will grow cold toward God, but even within the church of Jesus Christ, people's love for him will grow cold. Now, let me ask you, what do you think? Are we there yet? You remember earlier in the book of Revelation as the, the, the seven churches are mentioned, the church at Ephesus has lost its love that it had at first. But I think Jesus is talking about a worldwide condition within the church of Jesus Christ that the love for the Lord will grow cold. And churches will begin to tolerate anything for the sake of numbers and money and success and for honor. Are we there yet? But let me in these moments contrast because, again, there's just so much about the Antichrist. But let me just share some things with you. 
I want to contrast Christ and the Antichrist. Please just listen, and, and most of this comes from Herschel Ford. The Antichrist is called the Antichrist because he is opposed to all that Christ stands for. So let me just lay some things out side by side, and I'm going to have to talk fast to get all this in. Christ is both God and man. The Antichrist is both Satan and man. Jesus is the son of God. The Antichrist is the son of the devil. Jesus came from heaven. The Antichrist will come from the bottomless pit mentioned in Revelation eleven seven. Let me read that to you because I want to document it. When they have finished their testimony, this is about the two witnesses that will stand before the world and testify to Christ and the Antichrist will slay them. When they have finished their testimony, the beast that ascends from the bottomless pit will make war upon them and conquer them and kill them. Folks, the bottomless pit in the book of Revelation stands for the kingdom of Satan's minions and demonic forces and even the Antichrist himself. So Jesus comes from heaven, the Antichrist comes from the bottomless pit. Jesus is God incarnate, God become man. The Antichrist is the devil become man. Jesus is a man of sorrows who died on the cross. The Antichrist is the man of sin, according to Paul in 2 Thessalonians. Jesus is of the seed of woman. Remember the promise of Genesis 3. Satan, excuse me, the Antichrist is a seed of Satan. Jesus is the Lamb of God. The Antichrist is the beast. Jesus is the Holy One. The Antichrist is the Unholy One. Jesus is the truth. The Antichrist is a lie. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Antichrist is the agent of destruction. Christ came to do the will of God. The Antichrist comes to do the will of Satan. Jesus lived in the power of the Father. The Antichrist is energized by Satan. Jesus submitted to the will of the Father. The Antichrist defies God the Father. Jesus humbled himself before the Father to exalt him. The Antichrist exalts himself and Satan and refuses to exalt God. Jesus cleansed the temple, but the Antichrist will defile the temple and take his place there telling men to worship him. Jesus ministered to the needy. The Antichrist will make people needy. Jesus was rejected by men. The Antichrist will be accepted by the world. Jesus was slain for the people. The Antichrist will slay and kill people. Jesus glorified God. The Antichrist will blaspheme God. Jesus was received up into heaven. But the Antichrist will be cast into the lake of fire. Let me point this out. This is Revelation chapter 19, verse 20. And, and folks, look, here's where we'll go in the next series. We'll go to the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 19. Is all of heaven celebrates that the Lord Jesus is getting ready to come back to earth and be in control again. And in that latter part of Revelation 19, listen to this, verse 20. 
the beast was captured and with it the false prophet who in its presence had worked the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two, these two were cast or thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And you might be saying, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. If there's the unholy trinity, somebody's missing. Satan, the dragon, is not cast into, let's go ahead and call it hell, not cast into the lake of fire yet, but that will happen in the very next chapter, in chapter 20. Folks, what I'm trying to point out, God's got a program, and it's going to be carried out. And Satan's unholy trinity will come to justice. But let me quickly tell you what the Antichrist will seek to do during the tribulation. And again, I'll read through these quickly. The Antichrist during these seven years will pose as a great religious leader and seek to make all the churches come together in a great federation. The Antichrist will become the political leader of the world. He will create an international league of nations and be a world king, but he will be a brutal dictator. He will deceive the Jews at first and pose as their Messiah. And the Jews who did not accept Jesus as Messiah when he came to the world will seek to make the Antichrist a mighty king and make a treaty with him. And the Antichrist will set up an image in the temple and command the Jews to worship that image And those who do not worship it will be put to death. And he will destroy their method of worship and everything that bears witness to the existence of the Almighty God. But folks, with all of that going on, let me tell you something that God's going to do during the tribulation. Because he's still in control. If you've been reading these chapters, in Revelations chapter 7 verses 1 through 8. We're told about the 144,000 Jews who will be saved and who will be evangelists, it seems, during that time. We're also told about a multitude, and let me just read these verses. It's not going to be on the overhead. In Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse 9, after he mentions the 144,000 that will be saved. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which and, and John seeing in heaven now, a great multitude which no man could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures. They fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and whence have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, Listen to this. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation, for they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Many people say, will will there be people saved during the tribulation? Yes, there will be. And they're mentioned here. And folks, in Revelations chapter 11, there are two great witnesses who stand before the world and proclaim the gospel. And and they're going to do that 
for 42 months. And some Bible scholars think that it is Elijah and Moses sent back to the earth to proclaim the good news of Christ. But they will be killed by the beast, by the Antichrist. But three and a half days later, they'll be resurrected by God and taken to heaven in the sight of their foes. Let me... I thought this week, this is going to be a short sermon. Y'all give me just a few more minutes. I know y'all get tired of hearing me say that. Folks, when I first became a Christian, and I would read passages of Scripture like this, I'd say, for real? You know, the Antichrist is going to slay these two witnesses, and they're going to lay dead on the streets, and they're going to be mocked, and they're going to celebrate that these two witnesses the rest of the world, the unbelieving world, are going to celebrate that these two witnesses have been killed. And then in the sight of all of their foes, they're going to be resurrected and taken to heaven. How can this happen? You know, and back when I was in college, I was thinking, I'd scratch my head. How in the world can this happen? But listen, something that happens overseas right now, Can we know about it in a matter of seconds sometimes or even minutes? How do we do that? Satellites, the Internet, all this stuff is possible now. Are we getting close? Folks, I don't know. But let me summarize. During the tribulation, things on the earth have come to the worst stage. The Antichrist will temporarily have the upper hand and his conceit, he will think, He can defeat God and set himself up as the king over heaven and earth. He will gather all the kingdoms of the earth to fight against the Lord God Almighty. That's chapter 19. And here's the questions that I wrote down in my notes. Who will stop the Antichrist? Who will stop Satan? Who will stop the false prophet? The unholy trinity. Well, let me tell you the answer to that. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ will come back in all his glory and put an end not only to the tribulation, but to all of Satan's work and power and all of his lies. Because he is Lord. What is the great lessons of the tribulation for you and I as Christians and as a church? Jesus is Lord. And his kingdom shall last forever. And let me share what I think is a very bold statement and question with you. And I want to give credit again to Herschel Ford. Herschel Ford points out, and if you haven't been here, Herschel Ford's one of the Bible scholars that that knows he's forgotten more about the end of time than I know. Herschel Ford writes, there's only one way to escape the tribulation. We must come to Jesus. And it all boils down to this, folks. What are we going to choose in life? Are we going to choose to rebel against God and reject his son in God's way of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross? 
And if we do that, guess what we're choosing? We're choosing the tribulation, Satan, and hell itself. But when we choose Jesus, we're choosing to let the love of God so fill us and work in us that we become the children of God and a place is prepared for us in heaven by his son. Now, folks, common sense would say, well, I don't want to go to hell. But yet, if we're not willing to trust Jesus as our personal Savior, how are we going to get to heaven? And that's a question I want to ask you. If you haven't trusted Christ yet as your Savior, how are you going to get to heaven? Because you see, again, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Satan is going to try and get you on an alternate road. But you remember what Jesus says? The way is broad and many are on that way that leads to destruction. But the way is narrow that leads to life. And that is the way of Jesus Christ. And folks, I don't know when Jesus is coming back again. I don't know when I will take my last breath. But there's always a possibility that it might be today for me and for you. Are you ready? Have you made that decision to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you truly trusted him? Or are you simply putting up a front? I encourage you, and I'm not trying to coerce you or threaten you or scare you when trying to point out the seriousness of the decision of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. If Satan's got you deceived and if he's lied to you, you need to hear the truth. And would you hear the truth through the Son of God? Let us pray together. Father, I thank you that the word of God, even in the places that we don't fully understand, reveals your purpose and your plan and your will. And God, we thank you that as Christians we can rest assured that the tribulation will not touch us because Jesus will have raptured us out of the church, out of the world as a church. But, Father, I pray that we would, we would tell others about your great love so that when that moment comes, whether it would be the coming again of your Son or whether it would be death itself, Lord, that, that we would have made that decision to trust Jesus and that we would be safe in his love and in his salvation. And, God, today, Lord, this is such a a broad topic and so much about the Antichrist and the tribulation and the judgments. But God, I just pray that you'll use your word to speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to understand the most important thing, and that is that you sent your son to die on the cross to take away our sins if we would trust him as our Savior. And I pray for we who have made that decision, Lord, that we would have a new sense of, of joy about being your child and a new sense of praise, thanking you for everything that you've done for us. 
But, Father, I pray that if there are those here that have not yet made that decision, that, God, they will trust your Son. They will see the emptiness of life without him, that they would see the the vanity of trying to get to heaven by our own way instead of your way, which is the way of the cross, the way of the blood of Jesus, and the way of the love of God. Father, please speak in these moments of decision. For we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn this morning is number 474. All the way, my Savior leads me. Is he truly leading you and I to that safe, secure place of heaven? Or are we trying to find it ourselves? Would you turn to Jesus today? Let us stand as we sing. Thank you for the opportunity to come into your house today to worship and hear these words. And we just ask that you work on our hearts and let us take the words we've heard and apply them to our daily lives. Be with those of us going into the Sunday.